Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Show and powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 4 of Full Time. I am your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious, hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. We remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly, and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, welcome back to Full Time. We are delighted to have you here with us to talk about the beautiful game. G, my brother, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Scarps. How are you? Good, G. Very much so. In today's show, we will be talking about the potential sale and purchase of Manchester United, Canada soccer, labor disputes, Europe's Big Five, the first leg of the Champions League round of 16 matches, the start of the MLS, upcoming FA Cup fixtures, and a preview of the Carabao Cup final. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at full time on the Game Sports Show. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. We begin today's show by examining the potential sale of Manchester United. A bid has been put forward, and I will be relaying the following information from the Daily Mail. As many of our listeners know, Manchester United is currently open to a sale and the price just might be right with the most recent bid. The article starts by stating, quote, Sheikh Jasmine bin Hamad Al Thani, the Qatari bank manager, has lodged a four billion pound bid to buy Manchester United. Sheikh Jasmine is now seen as the clear favorite to succeed in buying United from the Glazier family. While his initial bid is about $2 billion less than the Glazier's target selling price, access to money should not be a problem. He also has significant extra cash to spend on players and modernizing Old Trafford and the United's training facilities, sources close to him insist, end quote. Gatano, we promise to keep our listeners on full-time informed on this major topic in the world of football, and of course, we keep our promises here on full-time. It's looking pretty serious for things in Manchester specifically for Manchester United, just how serious is this bit of news? Uh, I think it's pretty significant. Uh, anytime you have a, uh, a bidder who kind of lays out their whole plan like that, like not just buy the club and own the club, but they want to modernize Old Trafford, they want to update the training facilities. Like, it seems like he's very committed to like not just being the quote-unquote owner, but like actually uh, improving the club significantly. So I think it's a pretty serious bid here. Yeah, and uh, I've had a couple of conversations recently about Manchester United. And as most people uh, do when uh, when talking about football, that, you know, Manchester United almost always comes up. Uh, but the question that really intrigued me that came up was, how long do you think that it will be before United are dominating again? And for me, Gaetano, that question sort of threw me because if you think about it, United have started a turnaround uh, now under Eric Ten Hag. And, and I think it's pretty clear, uh, and I don't think that too many people would pose an argument to that, that United certainly has changed. But I'll ask you here, G, if the bid goes through based on the money that can be invested and, and the way the club could take off, 
can we see Manchester United dominating the world of football sooner rather than later? Uh, I think ownership is only one part of the problem at United right now. I don't think they're... Uh like their football management, like that operations, like who they're bringing in on transfers, uh, like basically until Ten Hag came in has been very good. So I'd like to see how that uh, progresses, but definitely having an owner who's going to uh, back those decisions and pay the money for the big transfers uh, will definitely help. And they will definitely be uh, a more serious threat to the title than they have been for the last decade. And as always, for up-to-date news on this story and stories like this one, we will endeavor to keep you all, our listeners, informed here on Full Time. It's been said that money rules the world, and in some ways, or perhaps many ways, this is true. That said, what good is something so powerful, like money, if it can't be fairly fought for? This is largely the predicament that Canada soccer finds themselves in for the moment. Transparency from Canada soccer accounting has been called for, and perhaps for good reason. Both national teams, men's and women's, are currently negotiating labor agreements with Canada Soccer. The women's previous deal expired at the end of 2021. The men are negotiating their first formal agreement in the wake of forming their own Players Association. It is called the Canada Men's National Soccer Team Players Association. Still, there remains more questions than answers. Gatano, before I even get into the specifics of this particular story, I'm just wanting to hear your initial feeling on this matter because there have been many, let's call it strongly voiced opinions uh, on this. And I think that really when it comes to this, because we're Canadian and we support Canada soccer, all of our opinions do matter on this one. So what are you feeling on this just to get us started? Um, kind of embarrassed that we're even doing this, like having this discussion, uh, if we're going to be totally honest. Uh, like we're talking about the reigning Olympic champions not getting paid for the entire calendar year of 2022. Like, just entirely unacceptable. Yeah, unacceptable is the right word. I was going to use uh, disgraceful or disgusting yeah. because uh, the, the fact of the matter is, like you said, how are we even having this conversation? Why are we having this conversation? It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. But nevertheless, we are here, and hopefully there's going to be some form of, uh, of change in the not-so-distant future. The following quote that I'm about to read has been attained from The Daily Hive. The article starts with, quote, Just over a year ago, we were radiating national soccer bliss in Canada. The Canadian women were already Olympic champions, as you just alluded to, Gaetano. The Canadian men were qualified for their first World Cup in 36 years. And we had just found out that Vancouver was most certainly back in the mix to host the 2026 World Cup. But of course, there were unfortunately cracks already showing. It started with the sudden cancellation of the game versus Panama at BC Place, one that was going to mark a celebration of Canada's recent qualification for Qatar in the World Cup. The player celebration of Canada's recent qualification for Qatar in the World Cup was very short-lived. The player's contract with Canada Soccer was at the root of that debacle one that would continue to dog the team almost right up to the point of the World Cup. Rumors of team apparel needing to be returned and certain shortfalls that others on the world stage don't have to deal with. But now those worries from the men's team and the dream of the already accomplished Canadian women are really hanging in the balance. The Olympic champs would love to get the treatment that the Canadian men received, never mind comparing that to what England or France gets. Canada Soccer has cut its budget ahead of the summer's, uh, the, the summer's Women's World Cup 
And that means fewer players can be accommodated with fewer staff members available and players' compensation a question mark once again. The woman wanted to strike for the She Believes Cup, which is currently underway, but they've decided because of the threat of litigation, play under protest. Still, job action is likely coming, end quote. Gaetano, these are the facts and these are the realities. What do you foresee happening here? I mean, like Canada soccer has to give on this, really. Um, the Women's World Cup, like you mentioned, is less than six months away. Uh, so unless they just don't want the women to play in that, which is stupid, you would obviously want them to do that. Uh, you want that. And also, uh, we host the World Cup in 2026. Like, do we just want to like not fund the team up to then and then just, you know, expect good things to happen like no you have to you have to pay these players you have to give them the staff that they need it's embarrassing the women didn't have enough players at their camps to run 11 v 11 drills staff had to join like that's just a shit show so yeah i think at some point i don't think the players are going to give i think it's going to be have to be uh canada soccer that caves in here well, and you know what? I don't even think it should be the players that give. I think, like you said, it should be Canada soccer that gives them because if you take a look at everything that's happened over the past year, year and a half, two years, Canada soccer's turned a huge corner. And what we've experienced in our country from a soccer perspective has been brilliant. And now it's like we're almost going back around the corner that we've just turned and we're taking several steps backwards. It's just, in my opinion, it's just totally not right. And I, I really do believe that Canada soccer needs to to wake up and give in to something here because it's not uh, it's not conducive, obviously, to the players. Like you said, you can't even run 11 v 11 drills in a training session and staff having to, to join in. It's embarrassing. And like the, the article stated as well, other countries aren't having to deal with this. You have countries like England and France and what have you. They're, you know, they're on on the rise, but they're staying at the top. We're on the rise, but if we're trying to reach the top, we need the right things in place in order for us to stay at the top and continue to have that success that we want to have as a country from a footballing perspective. So really only time is going to tell with this one, but we are all hopeful that these matters get sorted sooner rather than later, because ultimately, like you said, with Gaetano, with the World Cup being less than six months away, later really isn't an option. Gaetano, let's shift gears to Europe's big five. There is much to talk about here, and we will begin with the English Premier League. It's Arsenal who are at the top of the table with 57 points. Manchester City occupies second place with 55 points. Arsenal still have a game in hand over the reigning champions, Manchester City. Manchester United are in third with 49 points. Tottenham have now moved their way into fourth with 45 points as it stands. As it stands, rather, they are currently playing as we uh, at the time of recording here on this Sunday morning. Uh, they're playing against Chelsea. Newcastle, Fulham, and Brighton occupy the remaining European places. Gatano, things have been pretty eventful in the Premier League over the past two weekends. Your thoughts on the table as things currently stand? Uh, it's starting to look a little more uh, normal with United and uh, Spurs uh, in top four positions. Newcastle is kind of slipping out there into fifth. Uh, and Liverpool uh, right now actually in seventh, climbing back up. So it's starting to look a little more... Uh, normal than it was the last few weeks yeah i suppose with uh i think liverpool drew against crystal palace yesterday if i'm not mistaken nil nil so to giving them uh, a point to now get into that final european spot uh, i think that 
ultimately they'll be okay. That'll be a topic for another show. Uh, they're they're in a bit of a mess for sure, but um, I think that they'll be okay in the end, and especially once they get the reinforcements they need. But the the one I really wanted to ask here, Gaetano, we know Arsenal and Manchester City, which are both of our teams, of course, they are in the title race. That's very very clear. Do we need to start now considering Manchester United as title contenders? Because for me, I think that they can make a push. And to be honest, uh, I think that they're playing some really good football. But w- what are you thinking here? Are they legitimate title contenders at this point in time? Uh, I don't think so just yet. Uh, I think they still have a lot of inconsistencies uh, under Ten Hag. He hasn't kind of uh, got that ironed out yet. And I think the way City and Arsenal are on it's just they're just still a step ahead of them. Yeah, definitely uh, one step ahead uh, at the least. But we'll definitely see what ends up happening there. Because like I said, even... Just, just there's something different about Manchester United, and and I can't really pinpoint exactly what it is. But you've got players who are the likes of Marcus Rashford, for example. What a season he's been having, where he was basically invisible last year. So there certainly has been a turnaround at United, but we'll see if they can sort of creep their way into that conversation with Arsenal and City. At the bottom of the table now, some things have shifted around, whereas others have remained the same. Southampton remains bottom with their 18 points. Bournemouth and Everton are equal on 21 points to round out the bottom three. It's Leeds, West Ham, Wolves and Leicester who are still within three points of the drop zone. Plenty to talk about here, G. What are you saying about the relegation battle, sir? Yeah, I think it's it's starting to look a lot less like it's battling for three positions than it is now for two. I think Southampton are just, they're out of it. I don't think there's a way out for them. Uh, and then Bournemouth and Everton, they're just still haven't shown anything really uh, to show me that they're getting out of the relegation zone right now. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, just speaking about Southampton, I think they're on to their third manager this season now. A third or fourth? Yeah, <laughs> so... I, I mean, it's it's wild. And I, I know in the world of football, and we've talked about this before, G managers really don't get time. And you see the likes of Graham Potter at Chelsea right now going through a lot of things. but it's uh, it's really sad to see that a club like Southampton, who really for many years has been competitive in the Premier League, they, they've had just a shocking season. I don't entirely know what's going on there because they've got a decent side, but they just haven't been able to put it together. And obviously the likes of Bournemouth, who've come up from the championship, Everton, who have been on a significant downslide the past couple of seasons. It's it's really interesting to see what's what's gone on in the Premier League's relegation battle, but I think it's going to be a bit of a dogfight till the end, maybe with the exception of Southampton, because, you know, you take the likes of Leeds or even Wolves for that matter. Are they going to be able to stay out of the, the drop zone? Potentially, but time's going to tell. You think right now, as it stands, those those three teams in the bottom, they're obviously in the most trouble for you? Yeah, for sure. They just, like, at least with, like, the Leeds, a Wolves, a West Ham, like, you're seeing kind of signs of life every once in a while from them. I've just seen nothing from Everton, Bournemouth, or Southampton this season. And as much as we'll talk about the top of the table in the Premier League, we'll definitely be talking about the relegation battle because there's huge implications down at the bottom as well. In Italy, it remains as dominant as you'd like for Napoli at the top of Serie A. Napoli are absolutely flying with 65 points to their name after 24 games played. Second place Inter find themselves 18 points behind with 47 points. And that's not a misread uh, statistic, by the way. 
Roma have moved their way into third place with 44 points. Milan are equal with Roma on points, but have a slightly lesser goal difference at this moment in time. Lazio and Atalanta are in fifth and sixth, respectively, both within one single victory of moving into the top four. Gatano Serie A remains, at least in my eyes, the second most competitive league behind the Premier League in Europe's Big Five. That's just you know, my, uh, my personal opinion and, and the feeling that I have had for a number of years. For me, what Napoli is doing is almost unprecedented this year. Uh, and I don't say the word unprecedented loosely. I, I really do mean it when I say it. And the reason that I say that is, is because the, the most points ever attained in a Serie A season was 102 points by Juventus in 2013-2014. Right now, Napoli are on pace to beat that record, albeit slightly, it's like by one point, but they are on pace to beat that record given their current record and their current form. A two-part question here, G. Your thoughts on City A, first and foremost, and second, do you think that this could be the most dominant season that we have ever seen by an Italian side in City A from the likes of Napoli? The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, so I think, like you said, Serie A has always been a super competitive league other than Juve winning it basically every year, it always felt like there was a great fight for that top four. There was always like one challenger who really pushed Juve all the way to the end. Uh, so yeah, I think it's one of the, probably the second best league in Europe, no doubt. And yeah, what this Napoli side is doing, anytime you're on pace to put up triple digit points in a top five European league, that's something special. You know, having seen it as a City fan, like it's, it's almost unbelievable when, as, as a fan to watch it. So looking at this Napoli side uh, from the outside, it's just ridiculous what they're doing. Probably one of the best seasons in Serie A history. I think so as well. And if you, if you think about it, you know, you're going to play 38 games, right, in, in your season. So they've got, I guess, 14 left to go. If they're going to go maximum points, like you said, they're going to reach triple digits. And it's not something that we... We see often, obviously, City, like you said, have done it with the uh, Centurion squad there. But it's not something that happens very often. But I think that we could definitely see it this year uh, in City. I don't think it's going to happen in the Premier League. I don't think it's going to happen in Germany, obviously, because I think they play 34 games, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't think that it's going to happen in France either. But if we could see that in City this year, I think that'll be the, the bulk of our conversation for uh, for City as opposed to anything else but certainly what Napoli are doing this season is absolutely incredible in Spain La Liga is keeping things pretty steady it's Barcelona who remain top with 59 points to their name they have a small cushion over second place Real Madrid who sit on 52 points third place Real Sociedad have 43 points it's Atletico Madrid in fourth with 42 points gee the gaps between first second and third are quite extraordinary when you look at it from a competitive point of view, this is not, you know, Barcelona's title quite yet. Uh, but what I'm wondering here is why there are such big gaps between uh, the, the top three right now in, in La Liga. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, so I think so. Barcelona have been really impressing me this year because I've said it a few times where I, just, I'm, I keep expecting them to slip and they're not slipping. They're just kind of pushing forward, even in Europe. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But they're actually playing, like, pretty decent football right now. And Real Madrid, I don't know what it is about them in the league this year. They've been uh, a little inconsistent. Obviously, in the Champions League, whole other story. Obvious favorites. 
but yeah, I think the Barcelona is just showing a little more consistency in the league, which is separating them from Madrid. And then that drop almost 11 points uh, to third place with Real Sociedad and Atletico, I think is just a gulf of class uh, between the actual squads there. Cause it's always going to be Barcelona or Real Madrid at the top of this league. And I just don't think anyone else has the, the quality in their squads to really challenge them. So I think that's that kind of gap there. Certainly a fair and very good analysis in my opinion. And I almost wonder now Gaetano, if it's a case of now Barcelona purely just focuses on La Liga and maybe Real Madrid is going to purely focus on the Champions League. These are matters obviously that we'll definitely get to here in our show. But do you think that that could possibly be the direction that the coaches and the clubs are, are going to say that, hey, you know, Barcelona, you know, obviously we had that, that falling out there with Manchester United. We're just now going to focus on La Liga, make sure that we wrap that up and, and get ourselves a trophy. And maybe Real Madrid, obviously we saw a dominant they were, which we'll talk about here very shortly. Maybe they just focus now on the Champions League. Do you think that that could be the focus for the managers and the clubs? Uh, I don't think they would ever say that uh, publicly, but for sure inside the camp, absolutely. You know, Real Madrid are thinking if they can just get the Champions League this year, that's a successful season for them, obviously. And for Barcelona, just to win the league is a great season for them. So I think... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the table kind of stay this way for the rest of the year. Definitely, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised either, but of course we'll definitely keep a close eye on it. Over in Germany's Bundesliga, it's an extraordinary title race, one of which everyone in the world of football is surely loving. Borussia Dortmund are at the top of the table now, but by no means is that comfortable. (laughs) It's Bayern who have slipped into second place for the first time this season. They have 43 points. Dortmund, by the way, have 46 points. It's Union Berlin and SC Freiburg who are in third and fourth respectively, but let's get our heads around this. They also have 43 points, just like Bayern. Uh, just like Bayern. Leipzig and Frankfurt occupy fifth and sixth position with 42 and 38 points to their names. Gaetano, we talked about this last show in some pretty great detail. This has to be the best title race overall in Europe, not to say it's uh in terms of quality, but in terms of the race itself, it seems that things are getting closer and closer. And now it's had that little flip at the top of the table where we're talking about Dortmund at the top, not Bayern. What can you make of this title race in Germany? This might be one of the best title races I've ever seen in my life. Like I'm looking at this table now with 14, 15 odd games to go. And I have no idea what's going on next. And do you see the uh, next week's matchups? I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to have a look right now to see. So if we go matches here. So Dortmund, some Leipzig. Absolute three. heaters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? But, yeah, Frankfurt as well, too. Yeah, there's some big ones in there for sure. The likes of Dortmund and Leipzig, I think that'll be a right contest. Yeah. So, yeah, you have first versus fifth there. You have Bayern Munich and Union Berlin playing. So second versus third. Like, that's a huge weekend for this title race, for sure. Yeah, and I don't think at the beginning of this season, anyways, at least in in my opinion, I wasn't putting the Bundesliga as like the top title race on my radar. We talked about it several times. We said that the Premier League probably go down to the last day. I thought that uh, City A was going to be, you know, super duper competitive. Obviously, we see that it's it's not. Uh, I thought maybe La Liga uh, was going to be something to be a little bit more intrigued by, but it really is the Bundesliga that is is capturing our attention from a title race perspective. So yeah, it, it's been really cool to see. And and like you said, 
we we have no idea what's going to happen next. We have absolutely no idea what's going to happen next. But just on gut feeling, let's say we get to I don't know, ten games left in the season because that's that's right around the corner. Who do you think's at the top? It's just so hard to not say Bayern Munich, but the way Dortmund and Berlin have been playing, uh, I'm gonna go Dortmund. Dortmund. I can't believe, by the way, the the turnaround that Dortmund's had. They weren't having a bad season by any means, but you saw what they've done in the Champions League. We'll talk about that here very shortly. Um, and 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 you're seeing what they're doing in the Bundesliga. I think that they've turned uh, a huge corner for sure. And uh, if I had to say, I'd probably just say Bayern purely for the fact that we've talked about it as well. Bayern is Bayern, and Bayern do Bayern things. Yeah. But um, time will tell with that one. But we're going to keep the closest of eyes on that race for sure because it's definitely more intriguing than we once thought that it could be or would be. Finally, Liga in France is still up for grabs, relatively speaking. It's PSG who remain at the top and with some comfort, but not total comfort. PSG currently have 57 points. Marseille trail them in second place with 52 points. Monaco currently occupy third with 50 points. Finally, Lens have the fourth position with 50 points and a slightly lesser goal difference. G, PSG are usually a little further ahead at this point in the season. Uh, but this season, however, that's, that's not the case. And that bodes well for everybody who's tuning into Liga. Uh, do we have a title race here in France at this moment in time? I still think there's a race to be had, uh, especially uh, PSG and Marseille play ne- next weekend. So that, I mean, that, that gap could go from uh, the five points down to two points with 13 games left. Uh, so I definitely think there's still a race on here, but PSG definitely have a, a foot out ahead of already. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely, a, like I said, uh, actually, I think you said it, um, that usually around Valentine's Day, mid-February, give or take, it's usually pretty much wrapped up in France. But this season, it's not, like I said, it's definitely uh, good for everybody who tunes in and is, is looking at Liga for it to be competitive. So a little bit more of a competitive edge this season, and that is great. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Gee, it's now time that we take a look at the Champions League. The first leg of games have officially concluded from the round of 16. Were you happy with what you saw from these matches, sir? Uh, I think so. I think uh, in terms of who I predicted uh, to get results, I did well. And the actual quality of the games uh, was pretty good. So I would say it was a great match week. Definitely. It was uh, entertaining, to to say the very least, and some really cool uh, results in the end, which we're going to talk about right now. We are going to take you folks back through it all. The Champions League round of 16 is played over two legs, just to remind our listeners. And the first leg of games are now all down, uh, done and dusted, rather. Uh, first, PSG hosted Bayern Munich in a clash of quality. A Kingsley Coleman goal saw Bayern over the line to get a big victory in the first leg by a score of 1-0. to Gaetano, it's a small margin of victory, but an important victory for Bayern nonetheless. Your thoughts? Yeah, I thought they played uh, basically a perfect away leg. Uh, got the goal, kept the clean sheet, and didn't really let PSG into the game uh, like footballing wise. So I think uh, it was just a great result all around. Byron certainly did what they intended to do. I found them to be quite solid in the match. And it's not that PSG never had an answer because they, they, they tried their luck on a few occasions, but it definitely sets up an interesting uh, second leg for sure. 
The champions of Italy, AC Milan, played at home against Tottenham. Milan were never really troubled in this game as they beat Spurs by a score of 1-0 thanks to a Brahim Diaz goal early in the contest. G, a result that you and I definitely both enjoyed seeing. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, like you said, uh, Tottenham didn't really do much in that game. Uh, I think they just kind of, I don't want to say they caved under the occasion, but they kind of caved under the occasion a bit. Uh, playing in the San Siro against Milan is never an easy thing. And uh, I think Milan played a great game. Yeah, it's uh, like like we often say, this this is not for everybody. And uh, yeah. you know, I think uh, I think certainly Milan. It's not that they've had a bad season in in City. Yeah, they're doing all right. But uh, I think they're definitely going to to pour a lot of their focus now into the Champions League purely because they see the round of sixteen matchup that they got. They know that Tottenham's vulnerable, and then getting themselves into a, a quarterfinal, we know that anything can happen. Club Bruges hosted Benfica in a clash that maybe didn't draw as much attention as the previously discussed games. Nevertheless, the favorites Benfica made relatively short work of Club Bruges, winning by a score of 2-0. to G, two goals for Benfica and a clean sheet. Never really troubled in this contest. What'd you make of it? Yeah, I think it was uh, a fair result. Benfica is just a clearly superior team and they showed it on the night. And I think anybody who would have matched up with Club Bruges probably would have been happy. But at the end of the day, Benfica had to go out and take care of business. They did just that. And I can definitely see them getting through uh, to the next round of this competition. A team on the rise in Borussia Dortmund, as we just alluded to in the Bundesliga, but of course in the Champions League as well. They had Chelsea to deal with in their first leg of the round of 16 tie. By all means, Dortmund did what they were supposed to do. And that was win at home. They defeat Chelsea by a score of 1-0. to G. Kareem Adeyemi scores for Dortmund and gives them a bit of confidence going into the second leg. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think it was a, a pretty dominant display by Dortmund. Uh, Chelsea have been faltering these last few months and uh, Dortmund have been on their eyes. So I think it was a, a pretty expected result. Yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, oftentimes we do talk about the winners, but I'm going to talk about the losers here in this situation. Uh, I, think, I think what's gone on at Chelsea under Graham Potter, I actually feel bad if that makes sense, not because I have any sort of affinity to Chelsea. I really don't like Chelsea football club, obviously. And I know that you don't either G, but I think the, and it's not too strong of a word to use the abuse that Graham Potter has been going through since signing on as manager, I think it's been just horrible. Like, what are you making of that? I think it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, so he's only had like what one transfer window to work with the team. Yeah. He's brought in. Yeah. Like one transfer window. Uh, we talk about with United how it's taken Ten Hogs had three or four now, and it's he's still taking time to get there. Yeah, you got to give a manager like Graham Potter some time. Uh, he's a great manager. He showed it at Brighton. The things he did with them were incredible. Uh, so yeah, it's just a matter of time if they if Chelsea want to give him time uh, before he kind of does that with Chelsea and gets them playing the right way and back to being uh, like a competitive team across the board here. And it looks like Todd Bully, the uh, the owner of Chelsea, I think he's come forward and said that he will give them time. They're almost kind of emulating the project that Arsenal did with uh, Mikel Arteta. But uh, I just think that some of the, the abuse that's been uh, uh, put towards Graham Potter, um, it's one thing to want to manage out, but uh, it's been really sad to see the, the abuse that he's been taking. He even came through in a, in a press conference and said that his, his mental health is suffering because of it, and that's not so cool. So we'll see what happens in the Champions League here. Uh, but I certainly hope that things start to turn around for him a little bit at Chelsea because, uh, you know, 
like you said, great manager. He did great work at Brighton. I think he was tipped for the England job at one point. It's, uh, yeah, it's just not great what's going on at Chelsea, but Dortmund comes through with a key victory in the Champions League first leg, uh, nevertheless. The replay of last year's Champions League final saw Liverpool play against Real Madrid at Anfield in the round of 16. It was a dream start for Liverpool going 2-0 up. That said, it didn't last terribly long as Real Madrid would go on to score five, yes, five goals of their own to win this match by a score of 5-2. Gaetano, I don't even know where to start on this one. Please just say anything to make some sense of this result for me and everyone else who's listening to this podcast. Uh, what I will say is in the Champions League, Real Madrid, the only way you can kill off a tie with Real Madrid, I think, is to physically bury the players. Like, if they, if they can't play, that's the only way you beat them uh, in a situation like this. There's just something about, like, they you play the, the Champions League anthem before a game, and they everyone just, like, they click in that, that level higher, and they were just, other than the first, what, 10, 15 minutes when Liverpool uh, got the first two goals, yep. were just dominant. It was incredible. And what actually you, you said it a few weeks ago about, about the way that Napoli plays. You said it's almost like scary the way that they're just so calm and composed and whatnot. Like nothing seems to phase them. Madrid went down 2 0. And as a coach, I'm looking to see body language and these sorts of things. And I, I'm trying to analyze different things. Not a coach. So not Ancelotti. Not a player on Real Madrid was even phased by that. Nobody was shouting. Nobody was screaming. Nobody looked out of sorts. It was almost like they knew, well, yeah, 2-0 down, we'll get back into this. It was scary. It was crazy. Yeah. They're, and, yeah. and, like, that team is so experienced, too. It's Modric, it's Benzema, it's Cruz. Like, they've, they've done it. They, they know they can do it. And, yeah, they, they're just a machine in the Champions League. And, uh, like you said, favorites for the competition, and we see why. Napoli took a trip to Frankfurt for the first leg of the round of 16, and it was a pretty successful trip for the Italian leaders. A 2-0 victory would be the result in favor of Napoli. Gee, it was a result that shocked none of us. And if you want to talk about dominance, well, this game certainly was dominated by one side, and that was Napoli. Give us your breakdown here, sir. Yeah, uh, I was a little, uh, I don't want to say intrigued, but like curious to see how Napoli's uh, league play would kind of carry over to Europe. because. Sometimes teams kind of, uh, they, 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 they pull it back in, they rein it down a little bit uh, going from uh, domestic play to European play. But Napoli just went for it. They did not change a thing. They went for it and they were absolutely dominant. Well, you know the old quote, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't think Napoli's yeah. going to tinker or change anything this season. They've been just brilliant. So I think that they'll be comfortably moving on to the quarterfinal uh, come the Champions League. In the round of 16 match uh, between RB Leipzig uh, and your Manchester City Gaetano, it was an interesting one, to say the least. And what seemed to be a pretty decent performance from City, it was nothing more than a 1-1 draw, thanks to Gvardiol's 70th-minute equalizer for RB Leipzig, which cancelled out a first-half goal from Riyad Mahrez. Gee, you certainly have more intel on this one than I do, as, of course, you are a Manchester City supporter. Let us know what happened here in this contest. Yeah, uh, Pep went for the the, the control, uh, was his keyword in the post-match uh, press conference. Uh, City dominated most of the possession, most of the chances. Got a pretty early goal from Riyad Mahrez, and things were kind of looking great. Uh, and then he just, I don't want to say took 
the foot off the uh, off the gas, but he definitely slowed things down. Didn't make uh, dynamic attacking subs where we probably could have, if we had gotten Phil Foden or uh, someone like that onto the field, probably would have pushed a little more for a goal, but kept things kind of under control. Conceded the late goal, which is not great, but uh, scoring the away goal and basically knowing that going back to the Etihad, all City needed is a scoreless draw to go through is not the worst result in the world. And I think it's it's a case of, at least in my opinion, uh, I think that City are just going to keep something up their sleeve. I don't know if they, they played all their cards, if, if you want to put it that way, in that first leg. But like you said, going back to the Etihad, it, it's definitely going to be uh, all cards on the table, I'd imagine, and City will really go for it. I, I personally don't see any problems uh, for your Manchester City. Finally, it was Inter who welcomed Porto in the final game of the round of 16 first leg matches. A late Romelu Lukaku goal saw the host claim victory over 10 men Porto by a score of 1-0. to Gee, Inter comes through despite leaving it late. They claim an important win heading into the second leg. Your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, I thought the scoreline could have been a little uh, more favorable for Inter. Had a couple good chances uh, early in the game. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it was a fair result. The second leg of the round of 16 in the Champions League begins on Tuesday, March 7th. The round of 16 concludes on Wednesday, March 15th. Stay locked in to full time for up-to-date news on the most prestigious tournament in club football. From the biggest club competition in the world of football to a league close to home. Turn of the MLS. Gaetano, I am overly excited to have the MLS back on our televisions. I know you are too. Just give us exactly how you're feeling about it, man. I'm always hyped. Love the MLS. Uh, TFC are the shit. They're so bad sometimes, but I still love them to bits. Uh, yeah, and it's we've got a fun little team uh, looking for a good season. And MLS is just always, you, you never know what's coming with it. So it's always a great watch. I'm super excited for the season. As am I, and I'm definitely looking forward this summer to going to catch a TFC game and possibly another one in the fall. Uh, but yeah, love the MLS. It's uh, it's grown so much over the years, and it's been brilliant to see how the league has shaped and, and really have taken off, and it's just continuing to grow, so it's, it's so awesome. The 2023 MLS season has officially kicked off this weekend. Notable games are Nashville SC uh, against New York City FC, as well the LA Galaxy play against LAFC in a derby game to kick off the season. St. Louis FC make their MLS debut uh, against Austin FC. So some, those are some of the major headlines really in, in the MLS for this opening weekend. Katana, with everything kicking off this weekend in the MLS, what is the one thing that you're looking most forward to this season? I think the biggest thing for me is seeing Lorenzo Insigne and uh, Bernardeschi. Have, they got some rest. They got a full preseason. So they came in, in the middle of the season last year. Uh, so a little more, uh, you know, uh, acclimatized in Toronto. And I think uh, I think I'm really excited to see, because I think they're probably two quality-wise of the best players in the league. So now with rest and a preseason, uh, I'm really excited to see what they can do. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm looking forward to the most. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Toronto FC gets on, particularly those players, but the team in general. I think that they'll have a much improved season now that they're going to have those guys for the entire season. And uh, I'm definitely excited to see what they can uh, what they can produce because I expect uh, many different results than let's uh, let's say last season for sure. Uh, in terms of early favorites, Gaetano, who do you like to start the MLS season? So 
Uh, I mean, so one round of games was played last night, but I'm going to go with New York City FC. I think they've got a solid squad, uh, and they have Nick Cushing, who is probably the best coach in the league. So they are my early favorites. And that's I think that's a great pick, absolutely. I personally see LAFC again, who can be a, a pretty dominant threat. And as well for me, Philadelphia. I think that they're going to be right there, but I, I think the three teams that we just mentioned, right. I think it's going to be a right battle between those three. Gaetano, who's going to be your sleeper this season, that team who just might surprise everyone? So with, with the caveat being it depends on what they do with their third DP spot, I went with Toronto FC. Uh, you know, they can still bring in a really high-quality player, probably an attacker or uh, an attacking midfielder would be best. But uh, if they can bring in someone to be on the end of those Insignia and Bernardeschi chances, uh, I think we can do some real, real damage this year. Yeah, I think that Toronto FC certainly in that mix of the, the several teams, at least in my opinion, that can be super competitive. But one team who I'm going to have an eye on this season, Gaetano, is going to be FC Dallas. Something tells me that they will raise some eyebrows and surprise some teams, at least in my opinion. I saw uh, some signs there that they could be progressing forward. So they're going to be my sleeper this season, along with Toronto FC. And without doubt, there is much to look forward to for the entire MLS season, which has just kicked off, as we mentioned, and we'll definitely keep everybody on full-time informed as the season progresses. The FA Cup will continue on Tuesday, February 28th. We are now into the fifth round of the FA Cup, which consists of the final 16 teams in the competition. Gaetano, the FA Cup is a competition that I love. Obviously, as an Arsenal supporter, I put a lot of stock into this competition, as Arsenal have won it 14 times. But despite Arsenal being out of this competition this particular year, I am still absolutely loving it because it really is a cup competition that gives each team in England equitable opportunity to compete and win. The competition first started in 1871, making it the oldest national football competition in the world. Gee, we talk about a lot of different cup competitions here on full time. Just where does the FA Cup rank for you in terms of prestige? I love the FA Cup. Uh, it's it's one of the, those cup competitions where anything can happen. I've seen, you know, Wigan beat City in the final in 2013. Like, you just don't see things like that happen in any other cup competition that I've ever watched. You know, it's always, you know, pretty much dominated by favorites. So, yeah, the FA Cup is just, it's special. The emotions that go through an FA Cup match, uh, in some cases, unlike anything that you've ever seen. So, I totally agree. It's uh it certainly gets your heart racing and, uh, like we say, equitable opportunity to win. Anybody can do it. As we approach the fifth round of the FA Cup, we will highlight the eight matches to be played and we'll also give you, our listeners, our picks. G, you ready? Yep, let's go. Awesome. Stoke City of the Championship plays against Brighton. Who wins here, G? I'm going to go Brighton. So I also think that Brighton is going to, uh, to win this one. Uh, I think that Stoke have had... a uh, I want to say a mediocre season in the championship, but I think Brighton will also win this one. Leicester will host another championship side in Blackburn. Who do you have here, G? Uh, I'm going to take Blackburn, actually. I, Leicester just haven't done enough to really impress me this season. I think this uh, there's an upset on the cards here. And for me, I'm I'm going to say Leicester, only because I think now Arsenal just played Leicester yesterday. Uh, Leicester didn't have a great performance by any means, but... I can't really see Brennan Rodgers rotating that squad. I think he has to play his main guys, and I think that that'll be enough to, to get pla uh, past Blackburn. 
So there's our first disagreement there. A clash of Premier League sides. We'll see Fulham and Leeds battle things out. Who comes out on top, G? I'm going to take Fulham on this one. And I am also going to take Fulham. I think um, now, obviously, with the changes that uh, have gone on at Leeds, I think their focus is purely going to be about staying up in the Premier League. So I'm also going for Fulham. Bristol City of the Championship will host the champions of England, your Manchester City, Gaetano. Who will win this clash? Uh, Manchester City, I'm going to take to win this one. No surprise there. Yeah, no surprise there. And I totally agree. I think it's going to be Manchester City as well. Southampton will host League Two side Grimsby Town. Gaetano, another fun one here, which really symbolizes what this cup competition is all about. Who will win here? Uh, this is actually uh, one that I'm stumped on because Southampton have been terrible this season. And I kind of just want to take Grimsby down for the fun of it. So I'm going to go with Grimsby. Awesome. And I would love nothing more than to see that because uh, a League Two side getting past the Premier League side, albeit obviously Southampton has had a really terrible season. But uh, I think that would be amazing. I just obviously I, I just can't see it. But uh, I'm going to go for Southampton in this one. But if Grimsby win it, I'll definitely uh, I'll swallow my words. Championship side Burnley will host League One side Fleetwood. G, who do you got? Uh, so I'm going to take Burnley on this one. Uh, Vincent Company's got them playing phenomenal football in the championship. Uh, and as much as I actually do love Fleetwood Town uh, from the old school FIFA days, uh, I think Burnley's going to take this. Yeah, I think Burnley's going to take it as well. I don't think it's going to be super comfortable. But like you said, Vincent Company now in management. Obviously played for your Manchester City captain the side for so many years. Played under uh, Pep Guardiola. He's doing a fantastic job at Burnley and possibly see those guys up in the uh, in the Premier League again next year, and that would be really cool. Manchester United will see West Ham come to Old Trafford in a battle of two Premier League teams. Maybe one of the best uh, matchups here, G. Who's winning it? I'm going to take West Ham. I think United are going to be focused a little more on the league. Uh, and in Europe, so uh, I think West Ham are going to do it. Yeah, in my opinion, I'm also taking West Ham. I think, uh, like you said, there's definitely signs of life with West Ham, and uh, Manchester United might have their focus elsewhere. Um, I, I can see Manchester United winning it, but uh, I'm going to go for West Ham there as well. Finally, Sheffield United of the Championship will see Tottenham in the final match of this FA Cup round. Gaetano, who do you see winning this? Uh, I don't want to say Tottenham, but I'm going to say Tottenham. And uh, I'm also going to say Tottenham, but what I will say is that uh, there is a great opportunity for Sheffield United possibly next season to come back into the Premier League. It's looking like they just might, and uh, I, I think that they're they're going to be okay. I think it's going to be a close game with Tottenham, but uh, reluctantly I'll also pick Tottenham as much as I don't like saying that. So, to review our picks, Gaetano, you have Brighton, Blackburn, Fulham, Manchester City, Grimsby, Burnley, West Ham, and Tottenham. I have Brighton, Leicester, Fulham, City, Southampton, Burnley, West Ham, and Tottenham. Uh, and a reminder to our listeners that FA Cup matches for the fifth round will take place on your local television sports network on Tuesday, February 28th, and Wednesday, March 1st. Moving along to what most are super excited for, it will be a cup final today on february 26th that's right the carabao cup final will take place today at wembley stadium between manchester united and newcastle the final is set to take place at 11:30 a.m eastern time so in about a half an hour from the time of recording here on full time 
gee, we have been following this competition pretty much the entire way. These two teams have earned, and I say earned very strongly, their way to this final in this particular competition. First and foremost, with the hype around this game, do you think it will live up to that hype that so many people are hoping to see? Uh, I hope so. I think uh, both teams really need to go for it. Both teams uh, kind of need this uh, Carabao Cup for two different reasons. So I think uh, there's a lot on the line and the players understand that and it should be uh, a banger of a game. I fully agree with that. And I was listening to some fan, uh, fan cams this morning of uh, fans being interviewed and what have you. And um, very emotional, obviously, for Newcastle fans reaching their first final in, I don't know how many years, 60, 70 years, something like that. And obviously, like you said, the United certainly need a, a trophy as well. So it's going to have uh, a lot to live up to. And I think that the game will certainly do just that. The more burning and bigger question here, Gaetano, is ultimately who will win. Now, we did do our predictions. You said 1-0 Newcastle. I said 1-0 Manchester United. Do you have any change of heart on this one as the, the kickoff is approximately 25, 30 minutes away? So I'm looking at the lineups, uh, and I, I think I'm pretty happy with my 1-0 Newcastle prediction. Awesome, and I, I am still okay with my 1-0 Manchester United prediction. So on our next episode of Full Time, we'll certainly be able to uh, inform our listeners as to what exactly happened and, and, of course, who got it right. Again, for our listeners, the Carabao Cup goes today, February 26th, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Wembley Stadium will be packed, and it will be, so we hope, a cup final to remember. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious, hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Full Time. As we conclude today's show, we would like to thank each and every one of you for spending some time with us to talk about the beautiful game. G. Today was a blast, and I cannot thank you enough. Great work, my friend. Ah, Scarf, it's always a pleasure coming on the show to talk to you, bud. A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of February 27th, 2023. In that show, we will discuss upcoming Champions League fixtures, FA Cup results, the result of the Carabao Cup final, and all the dealings in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, Follow and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Podbean. Be sure to check out our website at www.thegamesportshow.com. That's www.thegamesportshow.com. For Gatano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Best always.